Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There's a cat over here. There's a cat, There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cast catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have two amazing guests. They met in 1987 on the U.S. national tour four of Cats, and they are now married. She was on tour as Syllabub, and he was working on the tour at the same time, and then has continued his Cats journey as well. So I'm excited to have another Cats couple here. Welcome, Kevin and Leslie Harvey, and thank you for joining me. Thanks for having us. I always love hearing the... Um, the couples that kind of form on tour, but usually I, I start from the lens of what characters were they and should those characters be a couple or not? <laughs> and so I kind of like the idea of here is, is that you were syllabub and you weren't on the, you weren't on the tour in, t- in terms of like, you weren't Tugger because it seems to be a lot of Tugger marriages. Tugger seems to be always one of the two, uh, <laughs> but you were working on the tour. But before we get into your connection and meeting on tour and that U.S. tour for, I always have to start with the beginning, your history of Cats. When was the first time you saw it? Because you predate this 1998 movie. Oh, <laughs> Les, I'll leave it to you. I, I'm actually trying to think when was the first time I saw it. I, um, I think I heard the auditions were coming to Chicago. And I knew someone in the cast, and he told me there's a part that's perfect for you. So I went to see the show. That was the second national, just for okay. The second national cover. That was in yeah. Chicago. That was in Chicago. So I went to yeah. see the show, and um, I think that must have been it. So it must have been like 1987. And and so you went and saw it. So you saw the second I, national in Chicago. What was your reaction the first time you saw it? Well, I loved it because uh, being a dancer, I was so attracted to the dance part of it. I'm not so sure that I understood any story whatsoever, <laughs> but I just was um, visually so um, stimulated by costumes, the wigs, the dancing, the music. I just loved all of it. Mm-hmm. And Kevin, what about you? So... um when I first became aware of it, my um, my dad was working on um, at Broadway in the early '80s. When I became aware of it, um, he was a, a Broadway stage manager, and uh, he um, he had talked about it. 
a friend of mine saw it in Los Angeles where I was living at the time and said, it's just this amazing show. You got to see it. It's, you know, it's unbelievable. And you have to remember that back in that, you know, 1984, 1885, it was still two, three years after it opened in London or three years after it opened in London, it was groundbreaking. It was so different than mm -hmm. anything anybody's seen. So anyway, I had heard about it. I had never seen it. And when I got the job to actually, you know, do the merch that I saw on the bus and truck when I was working as a PA on Broadway, um, I had still had not seen it. So I didn't see it until I saw Leslie perform it, you know, in, in the company that I joined. That was the first time I saw wow. the show. Yeah. Okay, so you, you get this, you basically get a, you're on working on Broadway as a PA and you get the job to go sell merch and you're selling merch and then you're seeing the show in the back, you know, in the back of the house kind of as you're selling. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I don't know how much you want to veer off your path, but the interesting part about Leslie and I is because I was selling merch, I was a young 20 something guy. I was with my good friend, Todd Walton, who was, um, you know, he and I had grown up together. The first thing we did when we got the new programs to get ready to sell for the first show is we opened up all the, the inserts to check out the the girls in the show. And as we went through the girls in the show, I picked out Leslie's picture and I said, I'm gonna marry that one. <laughs> it's just wow. coincidentally it worked. <laughs> okay, did, uh, how, when did you learn that, Leslie? How did, how did, how did this uh, all unfold from your perspective? Well, it's kind of funny. Really, the before the show even opened, we were in New Haven, Connecticut, and we were doing our dress rehearsals. And Todd and Kevin, were out in the lobby and they had set up their boots that they're selling the merch from, right? And <laughs> I don't know how familiar you are with the show, but you entered the show from the audience and we do something yeah. called green eyes, right? So you're, we're crawling around. So we have to enter through the house and we're going through the house and here's this merch thing and we're checking out the merch and there's Todd, you know, behind the thing. And he's saying to all of us, and we're all in our makeup and our wigs and our hairs. So you can't really, he's like, which one are you? Which one are you? Which one are you? Which one are you? And when I pointed to my picture, he yelled across the lobby, hey, Kevin, this is the one pointing at me. <laughs> so I didn't exactly know what that meant. And I don't remember when I found out what that meant, but, um, but I remember clearly that moment happening. And I was like, oh, somebody pointed me out. <laughs> that is hilarious. Yeah, because with Green Eyes, you do start all over the place because you kind of like, that's the thing. It's I think they're slowly bringing it back. They kind of pause it for COVID. Um, but yeah, you so you kind of went out and you all are selling merch. And this is kind of your break, right? Because there's nobody in the in that moment there ready to buy because they're already ready to see the beginning of the show. Well, right, it was dress rehearsal. Full on call. Oh, this was a dress rehearsal. It was dress okay, rehearsal. So this, wasn't, yeah. this wasn't the show. Okay. I, so there's was, no audience. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you all, you, you're looking at, so when you're looking at the inserts, you're looking at like the, like the, almost the headshots, like the, of the absolutely the headshots. Performer, not yeah. like the cat. So you don't even have, you have no idea which is, which I don't is know which. who is who or what cat is what. I don't, I, at that point, I don't know much about the show at all. Um, okay. I just pick a headshot and out and say, oh, that's a cute girl. I'd like to, you know, marry that. That's one. who you want to meet. And yeah. then did you think at all, like, you're ignoring the name next to it? It's like, who's Syllabub? We I wouldn't have known who Syllabub was at that yeah. point. Yeah. Now, I came okay. to learn the show quite well because the more I became, you know, actually, I say Chase, Leslie for the next six months, I spent a lot of time backstage for two reasons. One, I was trailing the stage managers because I wanted to go back to New York and work on the show. But I was also spending every spare moment I could watching Leslie on stage. So it was a lot of time backstage learning the show and watching her perform and everybody else perform, of course. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. It was a great company. I, I have to say that, you know, over the course of my career and Leslie's career, you know, we get to do a lot of shows. And I've done, you know, probably a couple hundred, um, you know, maybe 125, 150 theatrical shows where I've been f- involved in them. And this particular company is one of those special seven or eight shows that you remember and go back to and say, um, you know, boy, it was just an amazing company because that doesn't happen all the time. It's like, you know, going in your job life, your work to work. Sometimes you just have great people around you. And that company four, was just a remarkable group of people and uh, mm-hmm. just a great experience. We're still friends with, um, you know, six or seven people from that company 30 years later. Um, yeah. And uh, and close friends, you know. So, Leslie, what was the moment that you realized that this is that this is your guy? Was there a, like a moment in the, on stage and tour? Was it off stage? Like, when did you kind of realize? Yeah, he's obviously picked you out. Yeah, he's known from day one. <laughs> well, see, the problem was I had a boyfriend. Details, <laughs> 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 minor, minor challenge. Details. Minor, I resisted, resisted and resisted and we hung out a little bit in groups and we did some things, but there was one day that we, I think we, where were we? El Paso? El Paso. Yeah. Yeah. El Paso, Texas. And, um, we had kind of made plans with trying to get a group to do something on a day off and, um, nobody showed up but us. So we were by ourselves for that day and it just got super romantic. And then finally he kissed me and then that was it. I was done for. Yeah. Was so, this, uh, Kevin, was this coordinated? Did everyone not show up? Because no. you kind of told everyone not. <laughs> I no, wish, no, I'd, okay. I'd like to say I was that clever. I, I was not. No. No. Uh, it was a water park. Uh, we went to a water park in El Paso. So. In El Paso, Texas. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit about the like learning of the show and then also from, from two different perspectives because you get to go through the whole rehearsal process and kind of learn the backstory and everything um for for us syllabob and then kevin you get to go through this kind of as the wanting to learn it as a stage rated perspective and kind of almost a a different viewpoint of the show so i want to hear both kind of angles of what was that like you know you you now have to learn the show in great detail um versus seeing it in chicago or seeing it you know in in la and and just watching as a spectator you're now needing to know everything so what was that kind of first introduction to the plot and the story like and then what was the surprising moments for you on that? Unless you want to go first. Well, I think for me, so in rehearsal, um, David Taylor, who, um, you know, mounted our show, he, it was kind of like story time. He sat down mm-hmm. and told us the story of cats. I'm sure you've heard that from other people mm-hmm. before. But for me, I was like, oh, 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 that's what that means. Oh, that's what happened. Oh, that's what. Because literally I got none of the story when I saw the show and I certainly didn't remember it. Um, But he was intent on us creating relationships and we did lots of improv within the story that he gave us. You know, you guys are kittens and these Mm -hmm. are the grown-up cats and you interact with the kittens, but you respect the grown-up cats and you get reprimanded by the grown-up cats. And we created so much... um, backstory and relationship um stories to that carried us through the show and were very real to us every night um within our interactions on stage uh 
But interestingly, when I saw our company out, you know, in the audience, because they swing you out so your understudy can mm -hmm. go on and get a rehearsal. And I watched the show and I was like, oh, my God, the audience isn't getting any of that. Yeah. We, have, <laughs> we have this rich, rich background going on, backstory, and the audience isn't getting any of it. There's yeah, a, it's... Uh, the, I've just there's a great story that I think the, the, that I always tell from this because because I was out in the house initially you you know you learn what the show is and we know all this stuff and you have no idea if you've never done the show um, and one night I was standing at my booth and I watched a guy explaining the show to his girlfriend they were about ten feet away and I heard the whole conversation and he was saying how okay so when that when that one cat falls off the boat. Um, you know, Jelly Lauren, when she falls off, or not Jelly, who is it, Les, that falls off the boat? The, um, the opera cap. The, yeah, it is, that is Jelly it's Lauren. Jelly. The opera, when she the falls white, off yeah. the boat, later on she washes up the beach and she's all messed up. And that's Grizabella now. And now she comes back and, she's, and, that, and, and he catches my eye. His, his girlfriend is back to me. He catches my eye and I went... And he goes, that's not it. And I go, no, nah, it's not how, what's going on. <laughs> but the audience, like had, they made up their own great stories. And it was hysterical to hear what they would say. And they would explain it to their kids and say, oh, and this is what's happening. They had their own whole narrative of what that show was. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting part of it because I've kind of, in the beginning, as I learned more about it, I saw it 2016 for the first time and never seen it, never knew much about it, knew memory, but didn't know the whole thing. And I kind of had that same reaction of like, what did I just watch? I'm not a dancer. I'm not a singer. It's so like, I, I was definitely mesmerized by the talent level of like to do this, but I wasn't sitting there going like, oh my God, that's, I, I know exactly how difficult that turn is. I'm sitting there going like, that just is something I couldn't do any of it. So, <laughs> but it is a, like, I love sitcoms and story arcs and writing and this kind of piece. And I did not get that in the show. And it was like, almost bothered, bothered me. But then I'm kind of walking out and you're seeing all these children there. And as I've learned the show. I've learned more about the story of the show. It's really dark in some cases. Like there's a lot of darkness to it. And so I kind of really love hearing the like, everyone can take a very different kind of version of the same, at least loose arc that kind of falls all the way through. I mean, granted that guy was just flat out wrong, but I kind of love hearing maybe, maybe there's some. It was very clever maybe, though. Yeah. yeah. Maybe there's, maybe there's, maybe there's something there. Um, I, but, oh. Can I just interject? Yeah. I think it's really interesting that people actually took the time to try to figure out a story because when I saw it, right. I just was so mesmerized that I didn't even try to figure out a story in my mind. Completely. It was just a dance concert, but we would hear, we heard different things all the time. I remember one person said that old Deuteronomy and Grizabella got married at the end. And that's uh, why she walked through the processional at the end and then they go up and that's them getting married. So I like that. That'd be a kind of unique way to end the show. It's a little right. less dark than, than murdering a cat. Exactly. Um, I, yeah, it is. It's, it's interesting you say that because when you go to see a show like this, it's been going on for 40 plus years. Like it's been around forever. It, every, there's so many people that get to get exposed to it. And there are a lot of people that hate it. And nobody who hates it has ever been able to articulate why, which I found really interesting is I've yet to find an articulate reason why no, why somebody doesn't really like it. But you, everyone watches from a different lens. I watch from someone who did not know dancing and singing in a lot of musical theater. I was mesmerized by the stage and the whole, like, the, the built junkyard I thought was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And then I was trying the whole time to figure out what the story was. Like, what is the arc? What is the relationship? What's that there? 
And there's too much going on to do that in the first time you see it. And in general, it's like half of them are, yeah, you don't know which name this person is. I, you know, you can't pick this one out from a line. They're running around, they're dancing and jumping, but there is all that filling in the blank. But then you get to go and have this behind the scenes of like, you get told that story. You get to make those relationships. You get to um, have that. And that's what the fans kind of have this like really fun piece of is that some of the super fans and the, what the now current internet like has all kinds of theories about these two should be together based on what somebody <laughs> did in this particular production at this particular time. And I think that's what makes this show very unique and, and interesting is a world was built. So I want to ask you go, cause so Kevin is the outside. You probably didn't get to sit through that story time. You, no, I did. You are now. I got, yeah. I got it later. And, and I'm sure somebody has told you this after 140 interviews you said you've done. Yeah. Um, you know, it's an RSC production. It's a Royal Shakespeare company. It's Trevor mm -hmm. Nunn who did it originally. And their process is to uh, spend, you know, a week or more um, just doing improvisational uh, exercises. Uh, when they start with a new company, they do improvisational actor exercises and they work for a week. And I know this because I did, right after this, I went into Les Miserables. And Les Miserables, also Trevor Nunn and John Caird. And our first week of rehearsal, it's a luxury that you wouldn't have these days, was purely um, six days of putting the actors through their paces doing exercises, trying different things out, you know, experimenting, nothing to do with the show. Literally just getting the actors to this, what Trevor would call this RSC place, this place you can work from. And Cats came from that. Cats was that same kind of thing. Now, by the time Leslie did The Fourth Company, I don't know if you, you guys didn't get a full week of that, but you had a couple of days of it, right? Yes. Yeah, you had a couple of days. Yeah. We, we did improv. I feel like we were improvising as Cats, um, you know, like, the first three days, but maybe not for the whole day. Yeah. You know, but my, my immersion into the show was kind of bizarre. I knew I was going into, uh, I was, I went, I left the company and I went to, into chess as a production assistant and I left chess and I went to Les Mis to do the LA company as a production assistant. And while I was there, I knew I was going back to New York and I was going to be going into, I was going to be a, a substitute stage manager on Broadway. And so I was making my prompt script. And the prompt script is what the stage manager calls the show from. So it's all the cues and all the all the music and all the stuff. But with Cats, unlike a lot of theatrical shows, Cats is all done by numbers. Um, and uh, there wasn't any music in the script. It's all counts. So like every song is one, two, three, mm. four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five. And then it would say oboes or dancer or this or that. You know, they give you a little key marks. So I typed this before you know we had computers. I typed the entire script over and put all my cues into it. And I was learning the show by creating my prompt script from scratch. I had a, I had a, a Broadway copy and I was using that to make my own. So that was my, well, I was, you know, when I had time off during Les Mis, I would work on my cat script. And mm -hmm. uh, that was my introduction to the show was this just full immersion into typing the script word by word by word and learning yeah. what I was paying attention to and asking questions. Cause fortunately on my Les Mis company, I was with, Scott Ferris, who was the production stage manager. Scott's another one you should talk to. Scott was, uh, I think, the original PSM for the L.A. Company of Cats. Um, and, and he was also, wasn't he, a, he didn't dance in Cats, did he? He was also a dancer in Cats, I think. So I don't anyway. know if he, he was our PSM, too. For, yes, and then for he, the he, opened, he, opened, he opened our company for, too. Anyway, Scott's yeah. a great, great guy. He's one of the, you know, one of the great Broadway PSMs and directors, so. Yeah. 
So when you're doing that in, and you're making your prompt script and you're, I mean, this is almost literal of like, here's when someone comes on here or there. How did you think at all about all the other pieces of this of like, well, those two are staged over there and maybe they're dating type of like cat wise. <laughs> like, cause that's, that's what the fans are doing is like trying to piece together these relationships in this family. And I'm sitting there looking at this, thinking about a prompt script. I'm like, you probably are ignoring the twins besides when they're coming out. Right. Yeah. I, have, I mean, I have to say that, you know, my, my interest in musical theater, um, I grew up in it, but, but my interest in it was always the technical side of it. I loved, mm. so cats to me, at that stage in my career and my age and my maturity level, I could have cared less. It, to me, it was just, I knew it was a John Napier set. I knew that the license plate on the car was the number of the set. You know, it was like, yeah. you know, set Napier for whatever it was. And I knew technically it was, you know, one of the most advanced shows on Broadway at that moment. So everything for me was about the automation and about what the show was how it was being lit and how it was being done and the rake stage and the, you know, all that stuff that, that was what, that was what interested me at that point. It wasn't until later, um, you know, as I started doing other shows that I started to get more information from Leslie and friends and started to learn more about the show. Cause when you went, by the time I hit the Broadway company, it had been a Broadway for like seven years. You don't see half the company. It's like, you know, it's like going to work. You walk in, you, you know, you punch the clock. Essentially, you go in, you, you, you know, you, you do your thing, you go up, you call the show and you go home and you don't see half the people in the show. I mean, you just it's just a machine at that point. So there wasn't a lot of in-depth, uh, you know, this is what the show's about. And, and no, so yeah. I didn't get that opportunity. Yeah, it's a different relationship to doing that because you're calling the show versus like uh, they, they always talk about how the, the character, like the act, actors get become like family. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're crawling around on each other for eight <laughs> nights a week. Like you kind of have to get close to each other. If not, it's, it's going to be a tough, you know, you can't just come in, punch in, punch out. Like you've got to, you've got to do this physically demanding show that has, you know, a high injury rate and is extremely sexual and it's essential in its own, its own way. So, um, it's, it's cool to hear the other, the other side of that. Cause I've, I've mostly talked to, to performers. Yeah, fans. of course. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back for more of the wrong cat died. So I want to hear a little bit about the the tour. I think one of my favorite things is to hear the funny stories because it seems like tour is crazy. So what do you remember? What stands out as like funny situations, funny memories, um, stuff that happened on stage that, you know, that you'll never forget? Oh my gosh. I can't, I can't, there's been, so I did the show a second time. I went out six years later as a swing and okay. covered five different parts. And, um, man, I can't think of any like really good stories. Like nobody fell off the stage, which I've had happen in other shows. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, can you was, think of anything, honey? Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's a couple the, and again, this is from the technical standpoint, but the, we were on the tour early on in the run and, uh, the, on the tour, it's, you know, it's obviously not the big um, automated stage. It's a it's a thing that comes down for Isabella, the ring that comes down for Isabella. Mm -hmm. And it came down and it got stuck there and it would not go back up. So they had to stop the show and, you know, and, and, and there's no curtain on cats. So you can't hide anything. Everything that you're doing on stage, the audience is sitting there watching you. So yeah. the stagehands are going out there trying to get this thing to go out. At one point, the... Somebody suggested, well, let's just cut it. <laughs> and somebody else said, that's not a great idea because we've got another you know, show tomorrow night and that would be screwed. And, you know, so those kind of things happen all the time. The, the, my favorite was um, on Broadway. 
we were doing a matinee show and um, the the whole back wall comes down, which is the show, mm -hmm. right? So the back wall comes down and then at the end of the number, you call the queue and the ship goes back out and Skimbleshanks comes on next. And uh, the ship didn't go out, it's stuck. So the entire stage is stuck. And uh, so we stopped the show and we spent about 15 minutes trying to figure out, you know, the crew is trying to figure out the automation, they can't get it to work, it's not gonna go, it's not gonna open, it's gonna be three hours. And the audience is sitting there. So we skip, I think, five numbers and we go to the end of the show with the ship on stage. We skip to the end of the show and we go right into memory. And Deuteronomy leads Grizabella up onto the ship and they sing the number and they do the thing. And then he walks her down the ship and he walks her off stage right. And that's the end of the show. I think they returned three tickets. Like three people were like, well, hey, we just, yeah, sure, did five songs out of the show. The rest of the audience, like, oh, we had no idea. That. Yeah. That that one guy probably felt so vindicated that that was his story. He got that was that night was his version of cats. He he got to see Jelly fall off the ship. That's right. And then Grizabella come back on the ship. You're I absolutely mean, I did I never even put that together, but you're absolutely right. This guy's yeah. somewhere, he's sitting there going, like, I told you I was right. For yeah. one night. He he was definitely right. I, so it seems like I mean, this is live theater, you get that. I've kind of always joked that when Grizabella's uh, way up does not happen, which it does. It feels like every tour I talk to has had at least one night where she doesn't get to ascend. I was like, why can't she just walk to the heavy side later that night? Like, wh why do you got to fix it? Just let her walk off. And, and nobody, most people aren't going to know the difference. Well, you know, it's so funny because all of those, all of those, the, the British shows that were happening, the only big shows that were really happening in the, you know, for the most part in the eighties. Um, and they all had their thing. You know, Les Mis had the barricades, and Cats had the tire, and the ship, and, you know, um, Phantom had the chandelier, and, you know, that. so the, the shows got to be known for their their set bit. Um, so it was always, there, and there was always, you were paying the price for it, because it was, they were applying 20-year-old industrial technology to, you know, run these automation systems, because there, there was nothing, back in that time, nothing really existed. They were literally, like, repurposing industrial automation systems and you know putting them on there so to program these cues and make all this stuff happen all the time and it was glitchy and it you know it didn't always go perfect yeah how difficult is that when you're doing it in different places every week like you know when you're on tour you're you don't have the same like on broadway it's a little easier you got the same house same same type of thing so like when stuff goes wrong you at least have an opportunity to fix it whereas if you're in tulsa oklahoma something goes wrong and then two days later you're driving to you know, somewhere else in Texas, you've got to restart from scratch. Well, the beauty of those, the beauty of those tours and the way they were designed and, you know, the, the genius behind what, which really, again, grew out of the 70s and the 80s as these shows became more technical, is they created these amazing, they were self-contained. We could, we could roll our five trucks into a gymnasium. And if we had to, we could, we could do the show. We could figure out the show. We didn't need a theater. You need something Period. to hang on. But for the most part, you could you were you had everything you needed. You were like a little self-contained military operation. You rolled into town, you you had tools, you had talented people, you had you know everybody knew their job, and it was designed to be exactly what that was. Like we're going to be in a different situation. Sometimes we did on uh, one part of our tour, we did three cities a week um, wow. for a short amount of time. So we were you know constantly moving that show, or they were constantly moving that show, and. Um, um, it just, 
it just becomes part of what the, you know, that's, that's what they're designed to do. They, you know, it's a, it's a money-making thing and it's got to work. It's got to work right. And it's got to open up at eight o'clock every Tuesday night, no matter where you are. Um, as far as the performer's concerned, you know, Leslie, that you had your own issues to deal with, you know, touring in different locations and different climates and, you know, different allergies and, you know, all that stuff happened. Cause you're, you might be in, uh, uh, Buffalo, New York, and then the next day you're in, uh, uh, you know, Nashville. So two wildly different environments, you know, and, yeah. you know, and as a, a vocal person or a dancer, there's all different kinds of stuff they had to deal with. And finding food, right? But being able to eat before the show, eat after the show. Yeah, let's see what Les, I'm like sorry. for you. Yeah, yeah. It, no, it's it's so interesting because I always think about like, um, I, yeah, I, I relate so much to sports and there's usually the, you know, the, the Denver basketball, like, like you just, you end up in altitude and the one game there, the home team has a huge advantage because they're used to it and you're not. And, you know, there is that, I didn't even think about allergies and, you know, the, the city. It's the, and all yeah, that. it's the same thing. Yeah. It's a- athletes moving from environment to environment. It's, yeah. exact, it's the exact same analogy, you know. Yeah. Les? Yeah, no, I just loved it because I um, hadn't seen a lot of our country, really. I'd seen the few places I'd lived and that was it. And, um, you know, every theater was different. Every backstage was different. Every dressing room was different. And yet there was our box, you know, that had our personal <laughs> things in it that made our dressing area, our dressing area for every show. And finding your way to the stage sometimes was so confusing. And you'd come off stage and you'd be remembering the theater that you were in before that and heading to the dressing room and going, oh no, my entrance, my dressing room's on the other side of where I enter this time. So Sometimes that was confusing. And, you know, seeing the difference between brand new facilities and then beautiful old like Fox theaters and that are ornate, you know, have just incredible personalities on their own. I just loved every second of that. But yeah, I'm one of those people who has dust allergies. So the brand new theaters were much better for me as far as seeking was concerned compared to the older theaters with a lot of dust and heavy draping and you know, all of that. But, um, but I mean, it was just, it was just so much fun for me. I was 26 years old when the tour started. Um, it was fun to see all the different cities and, you know, get paid to do that show and then have my days free to go and sightsee in the city. And it was just a great time. And like Kevin said earlier, the group of people made it amazing because Mm. not just the cast either, the, the band that toured with us and the crew, we were all tight. We were all friends. We all hung out. And um, Yeah, you married one of them. <laughs> right. Um, I always love asking, and this is a dangerous question because you don't want to offend an entire population of people, but what was the city you loved and then what was the one that you were just like, oh, I, I, I'm okay if we leave this city quickly? <laughs> oh, we got to be careful. I have to be careful. Yeah. I'm from the Midwest. So I'm from a city that sometimes people say that, but I love I love where I grew up. Well, I can I can I can say I, I'll say one city that, uh, uh, and it wasn't the city because you have to remember that for us on a bus and truck tour that you know with that much movement, it's not so much about the city; it's about the theater. Yeah, um, and it can be and it can be simple things like how good was the hotel, how close was the yeah. hotel, how good are the food options, how close are the food options, and the theater itself. And we actually played. Uh, God, was it Rockford, Les? We played a theater that we actually ended up, it became not a viable theater after we were there because the tour complained to equity because there were leaks. It was, it was just not in a state 
that mm. should have had a national tour playing in it or a bus and truck mm. tour. Um, and we actually, that theater stopped being a performing arts center after we left. I mean, at least for uh, union tours, it, they couldn't play. Yeah, yeah. So that wasn't, you know, that wasn't a great one, but there were, you know, all the cities had about, their, had their what about thing. favorite. What was one that you're like, I love, absolutely love the city. You know what mine was? What's yours? What? <laughs> Don't hate me. It was New Orleans because I'd never been there before. <laughs> and it was so much, um, you know, culture. And it was so different than anything I experienced before. And, um, but one of our, I mean, it wasn't a very safe city. So one of our, mm. our Isabella actually got attacked on the street. She, there. Got, she got mugged. Remember her whole side of her face right. was swollen. Oh, wow. Got yeah. mugged and her face slammed into, I think she broke her cheekbone. And um, you want to tell your story, honey, or? Well, how much time do we have? I don't want to. You, I don't we're want good. To, well, so we're in New Orleans. I'll, I'll try to tell the story very quickly. Everybody's heard it. Who knows me? Uh, we're in New Orleans. Remember, I'm selling um, merchandise at that point. And come to find out, we should have done some things that we didn't do. Like we should have, we should have paid off the local people. Um, and we mm -hmm. didn't. And that was just a thing that you did. But we, we didn't know any better and we didn't do it. So at the end of the week, uh, the the Saints were on their they were a, a contender for the Super Bowl. So it was in the playoffs, and the game was playing that day, and we were doing a matinee, and we were getting ready for loadout. So outside of the theater, we had paid parking for all of the cats trucks, and of course, it's five cats trucks that are all painted cats, and then the merchandise truck, which is not painted cats, it's just a rider truck. And my guys are in the truck, and we're loading some stuff out. One of the policemen who was paid by the show comes up and tells us that we have to move the truck. And I had I had been in a motorcycle accident about six weeks before, so I was on I was on crutches at this point. And I'm up in the truck, and I said, "Give us five minutes, and we'll you know we'll move the truck." Remembering, of course, that we're in a paid spot; we're we're allowed to be there. Mm -hmm. So he goes away. He comes back, and he says, "You got to move it now." And I say, "Call your tow truck. You know, we'll be gone by the time he gets here." So not the right answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I get out of the truck and I go inside the theater and I'm in the theater for about 10 minutes. And as I come back out, there's now five policemen lined up against the back of the truck, yelling at my two assistants, um, you know, up in the back of the truck. And, you know, they're yelling things and threatening things. And I come out of the theater and the police see me and the other guy goes, there's the one, that's the one. And they point at me and they walk over to me and I put my arm up and I point and I say, they're trying to get out of the truck. If you let them down, they'll move the truck. At that point, they handcuff me and they, you know, the other cops come up and they encircle me and they start taking across the street. I have my backpack on me and in my backpack at that point, I've got 75,000 cash from merchandise. Wow. Just, a, just a little red vinyl backpack or a nylon backpack. Fortunately, I, before they cuff my other hand, I'm able to swing it off my shoulder and I toss it to Todd. Because I think I don't want to go to New Orleans jail with $75,000 cash on me. So they take me across the street. I'll try to fast forward through this. They do various things to me that aren't appropriate. Um, intermission comes up, or the end of intermission, and let, all the cats are now at the stage door. Because the stage manager of the show comes out and tries to intervene. And they say to him, if you come any further, we'll arrest you too. So he stops. So all the cats at intermission are coming out to the stage door to find out what's going on. Leslie's the last one to the door and walks up. And what does Chuck Lubeck say to you? Well, I'm the last one, one of the last people off stage. So we've just done the big Jellicle ball. 
and mm-hmm. everybody exits, but Syllabub and Grizabella, like Syllabub has this moment where she almost touches Grizabella and then she gets scared and runs away, right? Yeah. So everybody else has already exited and they're crowding around this door. And I, you know, walk over when I exit and I say to Chuck, who was our dance captain, uh, you know, what's everybody looking at? And he turned to me and he says, your boyfriend's getting arrested. And I, <laughs> I laughed. I was like, no, really? What is everybody looking at? And he's like, your boyfriend is getting arrested. And I looked out the door and sure enough, there he was like in this center area with a cop car on each side of him. They literally surrounded him with cop cars and he's well, up they, against the car. They were, they, they were parked across the street in the median and they had their cars there and they had a coffee, little table, uh, TV tray set up and they were watching the football game on like radio TVs. <laughs> So they were they were just hanging out because they were there for our yeah. security, and they take me and over. Fun. They take me over to that location and put me on the car and you know put my hands behind me and proceed to charge me. I know. And I, wow. I literally thought, you know, what what could he have done? And then I, <laughs> he sassed, he sassed, he mouthed off yeah. to somebody. That's what he would have been arrested for. And sure enough, that was it. So anyway, I did wow. try to get through it fast. They they took me in to the parish county prison um and i was in there for like four hours which was a whole nother story and terrifying and um they told me eventually todd came to get me out um and you know paid my bail and they charged me with three things so they were able to charge for a lot of bail i had on me in my pocket i had about 900 cash they charged me like 1050 in bail so they purposely put three charges on me so that I couldn't bail myself out. And eventually my uh, associate came and um, bailed me out. And they said, if you go back to the theater, you'll be arrested. So uh, I happened to be staying at a place called the Olivier House. Um, and the family, it was a family-owned hotel, still is to this day. As a matter of fact, one of the girls in our show from that tour married into the family. She runs the hotel with her husband. Wow. Um, 30 years later. Um, they got me a lawyer and, uh, it, that was a whole kind of farce in itself and, and went to court the next morning. The whole company left, you know, they loaded up the trucks, packed it up. They left town. I'm in town by myself now. I go to court. The lawyer holds up a piece of paper. Uh, he, he, he walks me into the room and the whole room is crowded. All the people I was in jail with the night before up in the front in the uh, holding areas getting ready mm-hmm. to be tried at 6 a.m. I think or 6.30 a.m. And he holds up a piece of paper from the back of the room in front of like 150 people and says, hey, Joe, he's talking to the judge. He said, can we take care of this? And judge, judge, Joe, the judge says, yeah, come on back. So the entire room turns around, and looks at me like, who the hell am I? They go in the back room. They're back there like five minutes. They come back out and he's holding a piece of paper. and He says, I got you. I got you. I got you. And he comes out and it says, it's a form letter. And it says, I blank. Agree not to sue the parish police department for da 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 da. I blank, I blank, you know, and we'll do this. And so I just, all I had to do is fill in my name in this badly crooked mimeographed thing. It said, I agree not to sue. And I was off and done. And I quickly went to the airport and went off. I ended up going back to New Orleans a couple more times with other tours. Same cops were there that didn't recognize me. They were nothing but respectful and nice. But, you know, but when I came back, I came back as a stage manager, not as a merch guy. So I, yeah. I had a different relationship with him at that point. So anyway, We're sorry, that was a long no, story. I've, I feel like I've heard it all. And every time I'm like, nope, there's more to all these stories. <laughs> uh, here's, my, here's my one question. Uh, were, the, were the Saints losing? They, um, no, they were winning. They were, they were, oh, okay. this was 1987. 
So if you look, it's like fall of 87, right? Yeah, fall of 87. I, I think they were, I don't think they won the Super Bowl that year, but I know they were on their way. Um, I was in, okay. when I went to jail, when they took me in, I was in jail with mostly people they had picked up at the game. Yeah. So it was all kinds of, you know, different kind of people. You know, I was in this big holding cell that was um, terrifying. <laughs> and I'm just sitting in the corner of this, you know, 24-year-old, you know, long-haired, you know, kid sitting in the corner with all these, you know, hardened criminals. They threw him to see you with a cat sweatshirt on in there too, you know, like the merch. The, the, you got the merch on, and you're sitting in there with a bunch of these Saints fans. Oh uh, yeah, it was fun. Anyway, yeah, so but I I like New Orleans. I mean, it's you know, it's a it's an amazing city. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know. That's that's with a wild story. I always feel like I've heard it all. That is not one I was expecting to hear. So uh, cool to hear a different perspective. Terrible situation. Um, <laughs> I'm glad that you didn't, I was, one of the things that came to my head is like, God, if you would have had that backpack with you, you would have been charged with like 800 things. So your bail would have been $80,000 instead, oh, exactly. instead of a thousand. Um, yeah, that is, that is a crazy story. That's <laughs> fun. Well, let's, um, let's move to a couple of rapid fire from the show. And I think this will be fun because Kevin, for you, I know you usually ask like, you know, you've, you've done it, but you haven't actually done the show. You've done the show in different ways, but you've never actually danced the show. I, so. not danced the I'm going to start, I'm going to start with which cat, if you could go on for both of you for one night and forget if it's male, female vocal range, you could do it, sing it, dance it. Um, if you could just go on for one night, who would you want to perform as? Well, I actually got to do it, and it was Bomb Ballerina, and I would oh, never okay. pass as Bomb Ballerina because I'm only five foot two and a half. But I got to do it as a swing one time because I was literally the last swing they would ever put on for that part. Yeah. But it was so fun. So yeah, yeah, she dances the whole show, and she's got the big, you know, sexy number, and yeah, I loved it. Nice. How are you going on as? Oh me! Oh, it's it's yeah. it's it's got to be Tugger. You know, yeah. Tugger Tugger's the you know that's the fun. It's either that one or um, what was uh, what was Dan's part, honey? I, I always liked him too. Monkey strap, uh, monkey strap, monkey strap, strap, or Tugger would be my two choices. Okay, okay. Who are your favorite and least favorite cats? And I'm saying forget the the people who played them, just purely personality wise of the cats. Hmm. I think I love Rumple Teaser. And yeah. I think maybe my least favorite would be McCavity. The villain. Yeah, the villain. Okay. Yeah, you got to go with McCavity. You got to go. It's the, because, because uh, everybody, otherwise everybody is, you know, charming and fun and just trying to get through the day. Yeah. And McCavity, of course, is the, you know, the bad guy, the one who's mm -hmm. messing it all up. What about favorite? Uh, well, again, um, it's I, I love Monkey's Trap and, and Tugger. You know, yeah. the ones I would go on are two of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're just fun. I mean, a, a, a good Tugger can just make that show. Mm -hmm. You know, it just, it just really makes that show great. And a good Monkey's Trap too can just you know, it's just it, as that, especially if they have a you know great stage presence and they're just you know, and, and Dan, our guy, was so good at it. Um, yeah, I think a close second to Rumple Teaser for me would be Skimble Shanks. Because he's just so fun and loving, like an old uncle, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, and now, you know, it's interesting because I do think my perspective is from syllabub, right? Yeah. It's like my my likes, because I really loved watching, you know, Skimbleshanks every night and being part of that, and it was so playful. 
And then same with Rumble Teaser. She was always so fun. That character was so fun to be on stage with because she's a little bit mischievous, right? Mm-hmm. Getting into trouble and making us laugh. And so yeah, it, it's really interesting as I ask these same questions uh, to everybody who I've I've interviewed. It it does seem like a lot of people are skewed by who they performed as because you spend so much time in that mindset that no matter what you've got to like it's still part of it and and it's part of the way you've you've kind of thought of the show at all times. So. It's fun with swings because then you've had to like embrace so many different characters that sometimes you get a little different answers, but, but yeah, it's a, it's a piece of, of how you view the whole production. And, um, I think it makes it kind of fun to, to get these answers because of that. Um, favorite song in the show. Well, for me, it's the, um, the, uh, the ball, um, Mm -hmm. which technically is not a song. It's a piece, (laughs) but I love, I I love the music, any musical part. Yeah. So I, I, I count that. Yeah, I love yeah. uh, the Jellicoe Ball for me. I just, uh, it was so much that was fun to call. And I, it was the show, it was the one that I always made time for to go back and watch Leslie in. I would go backstage and, you know, I was always mm-hmm. downstage left because I had the best view of her. And she actually had a part in the choreography where she went from upstage right to downstage left and she ran at me, you know. So I'd always get a little bit of a, you know, hello. And, uh, but I just, I just love that. I just love that uh, musically. And it was really fun to call. You know, as a stage manager, that was a really great number to call. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, for me, the overture. Yeah. Because it was just so incredibly exciting to hear it and listen to it. And you really did. You're you're out there in pitch black, right? You're in the mm-hmm. dark. You're just listening to this music. And it's and a little bit of lights are going on on the stage before the green eyes, you know. And it's just, uh, it's orchestrated so well yeah it's kind of iconic like once you know it like the minute you hear that you're like oh it kind of like almost hypes you up like it's the beginning you're ready to go and someone actually just told me that you should put it as run music if you're running it's really good for running i was like oh that's spot on wow i never thought of that but yeah seems like it'd be good yeah all right always that's one fun one and my fun one is as a stage manager which cat do you think would make the best stage manager monkey strap for sure monkey strap what do yeah. you think, Leslie? Les, what about you? Who I think would make a uh, the best stage manager? What what cat's the best stage manager? Oh, um, let's see. I mean, definitely Monk. But I can tell you the other one I thought of because I did think Monkish Trap was my number one. Well, my number two is Skimble Shanks. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's gonna absolutely. keep. He's gonna keep everything yeah. on time. Super absolutely. organized. He's yeah. already got it all written out. He's got that whole thing numbered out for you already. Yep, but. Yep. He's going to be, he's going to be the fun stage manager and Monk's going to be the serious, you know, dour stage manager. Absolutely. Exactly. That's a good call. I didn't even think about that. Uh, I spent way too much time thinking about all these different things. (laughs) I I like to, it's really fun to think about the cats in different scenarios because the personalities are so wide. Who's your favorite? Most things. So I, I think it's, it's, it's interesting of depending on how you answer that question. I like, it's a it's almost become like a little bit of a um, psychology uh, exam of who do you hate and, and least hate. Um, because I think it's sometimes of like, is it the personality that you're least like or most like? Mm. And so <laughs> my favorite was the one that I'm probably least like, which is the, like, I think it was, I really enjoyed the number of like, I thought Tuggers was great. Like just comes in and wrecks and I'm way too Midwest to be that type of personality. So it's like, I really enjoyed that. But then I've come to love McCavity as the song, not the, not the character. And so I, I love the bomb Demeter whole dynamic of that, uh, the first time I saw it, though, the only thing I remembered walking out of the stage was Mungo Jerry and Rumpel Teaser. 
the whole time because they just sing it to you over and over and over and over again like you can't forget it i also realized later it's one of the few times that it's only two cats on stage like most oh, of the wow. rest is like a lot of cats on stage and it can get overwhelming especially for me was trying to put the plot together i'm like what's going on here I was like, oh, uh, with those two, I'm like, I know what's going on. I know what they're trying to do. I know the story they're telling. So I think I just got to enjoy it a little bit more. So those, I think, were the ones that I've I've loved the most. Um, Dislike is not in your production, but there is a cat who plays, it's Gus's ensemble character, uh, and his name was Peter. And I just don't like the idea that you've got Mr. Mistopheles and Joey Lorem and Bomb Ballerina, Rum Tum Tugger, and then you've got Peter. <laughs> so it's always been my answer for my least favorite has been Peter. And I've made a lot of jokes about Peter. Uh, and Peter has like no story because Peter is just bus Gus in the beginning of the revival uh, version. And it's just a Yeah, I don't, that, we, that's, that, we didn't do that in ours, right? That, that, wasn't, that wasn't part of our cup. We didn't have a Peter. No. Uh, uh, that was, he was, always, was, he was always Gus. It was always, a, sometimes it's like asparagus is the dance in the beginning. If it's not Gus, the one, you know, so it's like it's something different. But for some reason they decided to name. And it's in the naming of cats. So that's where the name came from. Oh, so I get, I get yeah. why, but I'm like, why did they pick this, this name? Out that's of all? an so odd I, choice. Yeah. I have some, some Peter dislike, uh, there. I think that's but, fair. Okay. We gotta, I gotta ask the million dollar question. So this is my whole podcast is predicated on the idea that I don't think Chris Bell is the right joke of choice. So <laughs> I want you both to put on your old Deuteronomy hats and I want you to tell me who you are picking if you're deciding and why. And then if you say Chris Bell, I'm asking some follow-up questions to try to change your mind <clears throat> wow i think i probably would have gone with um gus gus love it. tiger because i love him he's so sweet and he's so pathetic kind of the way he sits there and he shakes a little bit at the end you know and is yeah i think i he would be another alternative they should go up together Gus and Gris together. They should both go up together. They're both, you know, they're both the older cats. They've, they've had some hard knocks, and you know, so I would pick Gus as an alternate to, to Grizz, but but I'd hate to leave Grizz behind because she's, you know, she's so bedraggled. She, poor thing needs to. She needs something better happen. I think isn't getting to be reunited with your family something better? But was it her family? I mean, they make it sound like it's her family, but it's you know they can't. You know, it was the family that kicked her out, right? that's a I, what's what's the answer here like what's the thought there because i i do think like she seemed to have done some bad stuff and her family turned their back and then there's now a, a welcoming her back that's the way i interpret it but you're saying this wasn't even her family or she's over her family because unless you know her. you know that part better than i do i i always got the impression she she wasn't necessarily from this group that she oh no i think she was one but she predates all the kittens weren't alive she's i mean she's older she comes from a different time the right? kittens weren't alive necessarily, but she's, it's, the thing is that people think she's old and, you know, bedraggled, but she's not old, is the thing. She's not old. She just abused herself so much. She's party So party. she's not, she's not the mom of some of the kittens. She's, she's older than that. Oh, I never even thought about any of those cats as being our mothers or. Okay or Grizabella being our mother, but I did feel that Grizabella is a contemporary of Baum. Yeah. So I agree, I agree with that. And Baum is not old. Yeah. You know, it's just that Grizabella is worn out. She's abused her body. 
She's abused herself so much. Um, and I do think there's, you know, there's forgiveness and redemption. And I think that's a lot of what uh, Deuteronomy was, you know, trying to guide us toward. And that's the reason he makes that choice or he makes the choice. But really, you feel like you've had a part in that all along when you're, you know, a part of the group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, there's. There's, there's enough of a story there. I get the redemption. I just have always kind of felt that if she's being redeemed, let her go next year. Let Gus go this year. Let her spend <laughs> a year with the family. Let her like have her reunion. Like there's that heartfelt moment of being reaccepted. And it's like, great. You're being like, they're welcoming you back into this tribe that, you know, abandoned you and like treated you poorly in the first act. And then it's like, great. And then now we're going to, we're going to, murder you like we're gonna send you up we're gonna get rid of you <laughs> and so i think that's the part that i've always struggled with i also saw a lot of more younger grizabellas because you know on the most recent tours you get a younger casted grizz and so i'm like they're they're not the gus age old you know ready to go like they're too young to go but okay so kevin you pick two I'm, i i do keep track so who who are you putting down am i putting down gus or i'm putting down grizz Oh, I think Grizz. I think I think she's. I think okay. she, you know. I you, I treat Grizz like she's a you know she's a heroin addict and she's at the end of her life and she's she's got the peace. She's been redeemed and now the best thing for her is just to move on. It's time. No for, rehab. Yeah. No. No jellical rehab. No, she's, she's just gonna. She's go just too far gone. Misery. She's just. She's so. She's so downtrodden and and you know if if when it's when it does what it's supposed to do. She has this joyous moment of, you know, finally she's going to be at peace. She's going to be at peace. You know, when the set works like you want it when to. It's right? <laughs> it's such, a, such a stage manager answer there. Like when it does what it's supposed to. <laughs> I, love, I love it. When she doesn't have to go out in the boat, we're good. Exactly. Uh, right. Exactly. Uh, but you know, there's she a, might the, not make it another year. Yeah. Right. She's, she's probably not going to make it another but year. But is Gus, Gus going to make another probably year? probably going to hang on. <laughs> I don't know. Gus's story seems like he's he's out. <laughs> he, he, the it. thing you don't know is Gus goes the next night. We just don't get to see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gus doesn't get the fanfare. He just yeah. goes. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's. I've had some interesting conversations of like, is it? It does say every year, but like, what's a year in the cat's world? Like, is it? Oh, uh, that's is a good it point. Calendar year? Is it? There's like a lot that you can. That's very unanswered if you really, <laughs> really dig deep into this, uh, which we won't go any further, but. Um, I, I, I really appreciate y'all coming on. I know, Kevin, you're still doing stuff in theaters, so tell us a little bit about your company. Uh, so, is a, a, we're a top-down production house. We, you know, we do uh, broadcast, we do uh, theater, we do live corporate, we do, um, we also have a division that's uh, the architectural side where we do permanent installations. So, um, you know, I told you earlier, you know, we, we did YouTube's uh, YouTube three buildings that you know building one two and three Mountain View mm -hmm. we did uh, Hudson Yards we were at for a few years uh, yeah. Hard Rocks in a couple different locations Facebook's all over the world so a lot of big technology centers um, and then on Broadway we've we're represented by oh, American Idiot and uh, uh, gosh I'm going to completely blank on every single one of the shows go to the website Sonova.com uh, S-E-N-O-V-V-A.com um, but we. Uh, we're in that space, and then we're about 70% of the one-off award shows, so we do the Oscars and the Emmys and Kennedy Center Honors and Golden Globes and uh, BET and, you know, a lot of those kind of shows. That's our that's our big broadcast space, so. 
Wow. Um, so we'll yeah, it was kind of a continuation of you know where I started in, and we do theater because I'm the CEO and and uh, co-founder of the company, and um, we do theater because I still like it. So yeah. <laughs> one day you're gonna do more cats. I, I hope. Oh, I don't know you. about that. <laughs> no, no, no more. I don't no know. More I don't done. know. I don't know. Maybe I'll right. never say never. Never say never. I love it. Well, this has been so fun. Thank you both for coming on, sharing, and telling some stories and getting some new theories out there. It's always fun. <laughs> well, thank you very much for having us. This is a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having us. Awesome. Uh, thank Memories. you. And thanks. Who was really thinking about <laughs> yeah. everything, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Has anybody, has anybody sung a song for you on the uh, of your 140 interviews? Is anybody? We've had some like little pieces of it. Yeah. You want to? Do you want to add a, a a couple bars <laughs> in here <or> now? Like, <laughs> That was it. I, all you got that, was that. That's all good. Just a little bit of memory. <laughs> I could do my little cat's choreography. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this has been awesome. So thank you and thanks everyone else for listening to this episode of the Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cat's feed. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other of podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and threads at the Wrong Cat Died, or check our website, thewrongcatdied.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.